The soil is clay. The county is broke. Clay soil and empty coffers make for bad roads. And County Road 87, which connects U.S. Highway 82 with Alabama Highway 110, is so full of potholes that drivers have started taking to the ditches rather than staying in the road, literally. Lacking the money and the political wherewithal to fix the problem, the county did the next best thing. They put up a sign that says, Rough Roads. And I said to my wife, upon seeing that for the first time, at least they're honest about something. Envisioning a better day, the prophet Isaiah proclaimed, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low, and the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a smooth plain. Everything about our faith tells us that God desires for us to improve things. As followers of Christ, we are not about putting up barricades or wallowing out potholes. We are here to build up the highway of hope. We are here to grade things down to a foundation of grace. We are here to pave with the pavement of peace. We want to make disciples who make a difference for the better. That is who we are. And yet for all of our goodwill, the fact is that there are some roads that are very rough and will remain so for a long time to come. Furthermore, if we choose to follow Christ, we will have to walk some of those rough roads. Jesus describes the cost of discipleship in the most demanding terms imaginable. Taking up the cross is no small sacrifice in his day or in ours. Think of the bitterest, the most painful death you can imagine. That is the cross. Crosses are instruments of torture and humiliation. They project the power of Rome in the most brutal manner possible. To die on a cross is to die exposed, shamed, rejected. Jesus doesn't say that every one of his disciples will die on a cross, but he does say that every one of them must be willing to follow him at least part of the way to the place of suffering and dishonor and death. Dietrich Bonhoeffer begins his book, The Cost of Discipleship, with these words. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Bonhoeffer goes on to note that Jesus begins the call by saying, If anyone would come after me, let them deny self, take up the cross, and follow me. Bonhoeffer notes that Jesus requires no one to be his disciple, but whoever will be his disciple must accept the way of cross-bearing. Bonhoeffer goes on to note that cross-bearing involves both both suffering and rejection. It is to accept the pain of not being accepted. 
When Bonhoeffer knew this, he suffered at the hands of his own countrymen, a German pastor. He was executed by German authorities because of his opposition to their Nazi regime. And one of Bonhoeffer's students, another German theologian, Jurgen Moltmann, writes of what he calls the crucified God. Moltmann reflects upon the pathos of Jesus' death. He observes that in his cry of abandonment, as Jesus cries, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That Jesus experiences the utter forsakenness of God as his Father. He who has known God in the intimacy of Trinitarian love is cut off in death. Everything he knows comes to naught. He is disappointed as God's beloved son. Moltmann says that in asking why God has forsaken him, Jesus is really asking why has God forsaken God? For in his death, the Trinity is torn asunder. The very ground of all being dies. Now, this is not a rough road. This is no road. This is no solid creation. No way at all out of nothingness. It is the epitome of alienation, the raw terror of absolute vulnerability. In his dying, says Moltmann, Jesus is the crucified God. And yet Jesus himself always speaks of his life beyond the cross. In this morning's text, he speaks of his coming in the glory of the Father with the holy angels. It is the paradox of his death That in being abandoned by his father, Jesus returns to his father. He goes home to his father by the very act of being violently torn from his father's presence. And this is so, of course, because Jesus is always, always, living in the glorious light of the resurrection. It is always there. Even in his darkest moment, Jesus is destined for life. And his resurrection reveals that God is not destroyed by crucifixion. God is glorified by crucifixion. The glory of God is revealed in the crucifixion, in the vulnerability of God. The vulnerability of God who, for the sake of love, endures the most tragic separation possible. The glory of God is revealed in the restoration of the Trinity, which is the essence of the resurrection. The glory of God is revealed in Jesus not getting even with his enemies, not making them pay. The glory of God is revealed as Jesus invites them and all of us into the life of his resurrection. Christ dies for us while we are yet 
sinners. Christ dies for us and is raised for us while we are yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Glory to God. It is that once suffering love, rejected love, and never-ending, never-failing love. And we cannot go where he must go. He alone is God. He alone must bear the awful weight of a lost and dying world. He alone must go where there is no road, where there is no solid ground, where there is no way, no light at all. He alone is the Lord and Savior of us all. So that when our Lord tells us that we must take up our cross and follow him, he does not mean, he cannot mean that we must bear what he bears. He does not mean that we must go where he goes, ultimately. He means that we must accept his cross as the defining reality of his life and of our life. The Lord does not expect us to go as he does where there is no road, where there is no solid ground beneath our feet. He does expect us and require us to stay the course when the road is rough. And sometimes that road leads through actual pain. But whether or not it leads through pain, it always inevitably leads to disappointment. You see, the way of the cross is a way of life that at times looks and sounds and feels as if God doesn't care. As if God is failing. In Christ, we know the nearness of God. We know the warm intimacy of God's loving embrace. And as surely as, and truly as we are loved in that way, there are times when we wonder if God cares at all. If we follow Christ with his cross, we will know God's great presence and we will also know what feels for all the world like God's great absence. Because to carry the cross is to embrace the world and life as it is with great anguish and pain and injustice and violence. Think of those great spiritual leaders whose struggles were the fires in which their strength was forged. Think of, I think, of a Moltmann whom I mentioned, Jurgen Moltmann. I mentioned that he was influenced by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and Bonhoeffer, of course, was a martyr. Moltmann was drawn to Bonhoeffer in part because of Bonhoeffer's opposition to the, to the Nazis. Moltmann was drafted as a young German man. He was drafted into the German army, but he had no passion for that cause. He did not believe in that cause. And so he surrendered to the first British soldier he met. And he spent the Second World War in prison of war camps. 
And there he was often hungry. He was homesick. But his hunger and his homesick were nothing compared to the heart sickness he felt. Because a part of being in a prison of war camp, an allied prison of war camp, meant that Jurgen Moltmann was forced to see, to hear about, to acknowledge the atrocities of the Nazi regime. He had to see what it was that his people were doing to others. And yet while he was there, a chaplain gave him a copy of the Bible and Moltmann became a Christian. He returned home after the war to face the awful truth of what his people had done. He wanted more than anything else to know where God had been amid all that sin and all that suffering. And the crucified God was part of his attempt to find the answer. And he did find the answer that Christ was with those who had suffered, that Christ was with those who had died. That as awful as their death was, Jesus had died for them. I think of those young people who witnessed such violence in Florida at the school, at, with the school shooting recently. And those young people are now determined to change things. And who can measure the sorrow they feel? Who can imagine the anguish that they have experienced and that they will experience for the rest of their life. And the sharpness of what they have experienced causes them to see the need for change, a need that should be obvious to us all. But they see it with a clarity that is born of the casualties they have known personally. Theirs is a passion that grows out of their suffering And now they are determined that the rest of us will see it as well. And if there could be a turning of hearts and minds to a good and reasonable and workable solution, we would say that their suffering had not been in vain, would we not? We would say that their passion had brought forth a better country, a better world. But let's be honest. It isn't likely to happen. Most likely, these young people will be dismissed, disappointed, disillusioned, forgotten. And their suffering will be compounded by the sense of rejection they are likely to feel at least by some in our country. Theirs is a very rough road. And so we would ask the question, is it a road that leads nowhere? Not according to Jesus. I believe Christ is on their side. I believe Christ is always on the side of people who are trying 
to advocate for life. The crucified God died with those 17 who were cut down. The crucified God suffers with those grieving parents and friends. The abandoned Son of God who faced the worst for us all, including the killer. The crucified God is risen from the dead. He cannot fail. He will not fail. And so if they are willing to walk this road with him, he will lead them to new life. And we too must walk the rough roads. At any given moment, within any given congregation, there are those of us who are walking in rough places. We know that is true this morning. Our hearts break for some of our friends, our sisters and brothers. Jesus has gone where we cannot go and has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And in his giving of himself, our cross, however hard it may be, is by his grace bearable if we just keep walking. I heard a wise saying this past week is very true. If you are going through hell, keep going. Don't stop. Christ has been there for us and has done for us all that is needed for salvation. May we walk in this season, even in the hard places, with courage and confidence born of his presence. Even when we cannot know his presence in the moment, even when he seems far away, let us know, let us remember, let us affirm, contrary to what we feel, contrary perhaps even to what we see, that he is with us always. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.